Welcome back, folks, to another great week. Today, we're talking all about kids and dogs. I know I get a lot of questions about them from my clients. We have Michelle here that specializes all in kids and dogs and stuff. So I'm going to give her a moment to kind of tell her, tell, tell you guys what she does, and then we'll hop into some kids and dog stuff. Great. Thank you, Pam. It's so nice yeah. for you to have invited yeah. me. I really appreciate it. Um, my name is Michelle Stern. I am a mom of two kids who are now in college, which is crazy. I was a teacher for 16 years and I'm a dog and child specialist. So I'm a certified professional dog trainer like Pam is. I'm mm -hmm. a licensed family dog mediator in the kids division um, and I'm a dog behavior consultant. So I like both ends of the leash, which is yeah. not always the case with all dog trainers. A lot of people love just the dog part, but I love the whole family part. And mm -hmm. as a parent, I have so much empathy for what the parents are going through and all of the emotion and the stress and just trying to get through the day when you've got kids and dogs. Exactly. And it's a lot. And so that's why I wanted to do this live and bring you in too, because as Michelle said, I work with a lot of kids and families. She works with a lot of kids and families, especially specialized in this. And so what I wanted to talk about first, because I get a lot of questions and when I go into clients' home about kids and nipping with yeah. the dogs and kids. And ideally, I, one thing I talk about with my clients is management. That's like the first thing beyond doing any type of training with the kids is talking about, you know, active management when you're around, not non-active management and things of such. Because it's really important that you do manage the dog when they're around your kids and not just leave them alone. What sort of things do you have your clients do when it comes down to dogs and kids and a nipping? Yeah, I love that you said that. I mean, I think honestly, management is the first line of defense because <clears throat> if we can prevent the dog from having access to the child, then the dog's not going to be nipping the child, right? Yeah. The problem is a lot of people don't like that answer and they feel like we're not actually addressing the problem. Exactly. You feel like that too? Yeah. Yes, so, I feel like that too. Yes. So yes. it's really interesting because honestly, that is the answer. It's just not the answer they want. And so yeah. I feel like when you and I then work with these clients, a, a mm -hmm. decent portion of the work that we're doing is in trying to just help them to understand that if we can help everyone feel safe, Yes. then we can change their dynamic and their relationship, right? And mm -hmm. some of that safety means it's really important that your toddler doesn't crawl up and sneak up on your dog. Because mm -hmm. yep. I can tell you when I would, so, okay, real quick. So yep, yep, yep. I don't like to be disturbed when I'm sleeping, okay? Now, obviously, as a mom, that's a terrible feeling to have because you are going to be disturbed when you're sleeping. Yep. So imagine this, I'm I'm sleeping. Oh, everything is nice. You get your toddler pads down the hall and stares at you uh -huh. at the side of your bed, like mom, 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 mom. And then yep. I'm like, and I wake up and I'm terrified. And it's a good thing that I don't bite because yep. I would wake up terrified and shocked and like, ah. And so mm -hmm. I would express my surprise with maybe a jump of my body or a, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, you scared me. But a yep. dog doesn't necessarily do that. A dog might go, oh God, you scared me with a quick bite. And when it's a child, that face is usually the first yeah. thing close to the dog's face, right? Similar yeah. heights, you know. So we get a lot of nips to the face. It doesn't mm -hmm. mean the dog wants to kill the child or absolutely not. Yeah. But it's a quick, non-emotional response out of surprise. And so mm -hmm. we just have to prevent that kind of interaction from happening in the first place. Then we can try to change how your dog feels about your kid. Yeah. 
Exactly. And then, you know, I noticed too, when you do talk to the clients about management and the do's and don'ts of how to interact, you know, with the, you know, how to have, how to have your kids interact with your dog, it does make a difference. Even sometimes that's all you need outside of like how to do the training, like to stop the nipping is to get them on board. And just like you explained it perfectly, I try to explain to my clients the same way, like put yourself in your dog's shoes. It's no different. It's no different. If someone was in your face like that and you woke up, you're going to go like that. The difference with a dog is they're not talking. They can respond in a different way. So just, and then always, you know, I always encourage my clients to, what would you do? What would you do to change the problem? It's probably the same as what I'm going to tell you. So what do you usually tell the clients? Let's talk about the training with the nipping. What do you ideally tell the, like, let's say, you know, they're doing the management thing, but there's still some nipping going on. What would you recommend? Yeah. Well, I mean, you're going to hate what I'm about to tell you, but if, oh, there's yeah. still, if there's still nipping going on, then there's something happening where they are allowed to interact, right? So and, this is the tough part, right? Like, yeah. so we it's really easy to, to say like, like I, I did everything you said and I still have the problem. And I'm like, well, if you still have the problem, you're not doing everything you said. Part of it is, are they hearing us? Are they hearing us or are they hearing us? Right. I know that sounds subtle and stupid to to say, but I think it's true. Like they really have to like believe in what we're talking about. Right. And here's, here's the bottom line, the bottom line. And I have to tell them this is that it is really hard to rehome a dog who bites a kid and dogs who bite kids have a very short lifespan. And sometimes they look at me like I just said something really terrible and I tell them you're you're paying me because I finally have the confidence and skills and years of experience doing this now. Where mm-hmm. you're paying me for my honest feedback. And my honest feedback is if your dog bites your kid, your dog's probably going to be euthanized. And yep. so it is your responsibility. Now, in terms of the training, now these are things that you're asking about. I do think that management, even though a lot of people think we're just slapping a bandaid on the situation, yeah. I do think that if we can get our dog, for example, to be comfortable on the other side of a barrier, that is training because yes. you help the dog do a behavior, right? Because some dogs will just jump right over that. And then we're like, oh my God, <laughs> now what? Right. And I'm yep. like, oh God. Yep. Okay. And I've had clients and you probably have two where you're like, oh, crap, I have to stack two baby gates. Like this is some serious business, yeah. right? Yeah. And so then there's other tools we can use. We can use leashes and we can use other things yep. to say, Hey dog, I mm-hmm. need you not to move closer to the child. Right. Yeah. And then and then we can have other scenarios where we reward the dog for behavior that we want them to keep doing as opposed to trying to put out fires all the time. Exactly. Exactly. And, uh, you know, I, I had a client once say it to me best. And when I was talking to it, because you really do like in a consultation, I try to break down what's going to be happening. You know, you have to follow the homework to see the results. You can't deviate. You have to follow it. And she said to me, you know what, Pam, I trust the process. And I'm like, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Seems like, you know, it may not make sense to me right now, but I bought, just like you said, you brought me in for a reason. I'm not, you know, you spent money. I want to make sure you get your dollars worth and I'm going to trust the process. And I'm like, thank you. So just trust our process and that we're doing what's going to be best. You know, and if you don't understand something, always talk to us about it. We'll help you and put it in a way that you understand. So, you know, I agree with Michelle, just managing your dog, The you know, 
experience are ideal, especially when it comes to kids. If you can't watch them, just assume that the dog's getting into trouble with your kids. And so put them in a crate, you know, use a tether, especially a lot of times I'll get um, questions about, you know, I'm just trying to relax in the evening. My dog's jumping up on me on the couch. I will tell my clients it's okay if your dog doesn't know go to mat and to stay there. You can use a tether to kind of keep them there. But, you know, give them a chance. Let them jump on you. If they do, you move to the other side of the couch and you leave them there. They will learn over time that, hey, I can't, in order to get this attention on the couch, I can't do that. Do you do any of that with your clients as well? I do sometimes. Yeah. There's yeah. some training strategies that I've been working on lately with some clients that um, that have multiple purposes. So okay. you're probably like me where clients will tell you, they basically want their dog to be a, I call him a unicorn dog, which is like mm -hmm. the perfect dog. Perfect. You know, the dog yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so most clients, even if they don't actually do the thing I'm about to tell you, they want a dog and do the thing. Right? Yep. Everybody wants a dog that they can bring with them to an outdoor coffee shop and the dog will sit quietly at their feet. Yeah, no matter what is going on. Yeah, right? yeah. Okay. So a lot of people don't even do this, but they want a dog that can. Mm -hmm. My my interpretation of that for families is the dog that can sit on the floor when the kids are playing, right? That's the equivalent yes. in my yes. life, in the yes. line of work that I'm in, right? And so I try to do a lot of work with families where we practice this skill where the dog just learns to hang out, that the dog mm -hmm. doesn't have to perform things, the dog doesn't have to yes. do stuff where the just dog can yes. relax at your feet, right? And so I try to teach them to just hang out and we can start yeah. in, in an environment like where I am right now. I'm at my desk. My dog is at my feet. It's his nap time. So it's kind of cheating, but yep, yep, yep. And you can have the dog on a leash. And every once in a while, if you want to drop a treat between his paws, exactly. for yep. can. but we can take that behavior that we practice at our desk when there's no distractions. And then we can bring it to the couch. And mm -hmm. we can have movie night and the kids are on the couch and the dog is at my feet at movie night. And then we can take it to Lego time where I sit on the floor, the dog mm -hmm. is next to me, the kids play Lego on the floor, right? So yep. really what ends up happening is we try to set it up so that the cue for the dog to lay down or chill out is you sitting down. Exactly. So sit down, the dog can sit down. And I'm not going to like exaggerate and tell you that I've got this nailed, but this is what I am working on with a lot of clients yeah. right now is this yep. sort of pattern of I sit, you sit, we can all be together as a family. Yep. And yep. I think that just helps the quality of life for family members who want to be together. Yeah, and that's a big one. It's like, okay, your cue, my cue to do this is going to be, and I tell folks all the time, dogs learn by what we do. Even if you didn't teach them a thing in the world, if you stay consistent with whatever you're doing each day, they'll learn. I never taught my dog go to crate, but when a doorbell rings, you go lay down, and now he just goes. So that just goes with just saying, like, that your cue to sit down is going to be your cue for your dog to settle. And I do teach my clients that, uh, especially in classes too, I teach that, like, okay, let's have the dog settle. You're going to do this at home and just having your dog sit with you. And one of the things I run into, and I try to enforce this enough as far as with training, you don't want to over... Um you don't want to overwork your dog. So a lot of times, you know, they will say, okay, yeah, that is a good idea to have my dog sit while I'm sitting and feed them treats. But then, you know, either they'll do it really too long and the dog gets frustrated or either be too short. So five to 15 minutes, that's, you know, enough right there, get training. So what do you recommend if you are working on that and say you have a puppy, they're not going to sit for like 
you know, while you're sitting there, while the kids are playing, what would you recommend in that scenario? Because a lot of the dogs that I work with, I'm pretty sure you do too, are like puppies mm-hmm. or are puppies. Okay. I'm going to give you two ideas. Okay. Number one is to keep training sessions like 30 seconds sometimes. Exactly. So sometimes people think I'm insane when I tell them this idea, but that's fine. That's how I roll. <laughs> sometimes I recommend you practice this when you're sitting on the toilet. Yeah, I, know, no one's oh, I even had a yes. jar of treats on the back of my toilet <laughs> and I would sit on the toilet and instead yep. of like reading my phone, because let's admit we read our phones, even though mm-hmm. that's gross, we do it. Um, instead of doing that, yep. I would take out the jar of treats and while I'm peeing or whatever, I would reward my dog by putting the treat on the floor, which means they're not jumping, right? Because exactly. To the floor to pick up the treat. And so the habit there, I mean, you're having to sit down because we're ladies yep. and we sit when we yep. pee. So we sit, mm-hmm. we pull out the treats. So that's a brief, that's yeah. a brief session. So that's one idea to practice mm-hmm. with puppies. Also, you close the door and that way your puppy's not hassling your kids while you're on the toilet because you can't watch if you're on the toilet. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And 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 the piggyback off that, if, if you guys see anything like that's pretty gross, we go in the bathroom without phones. You know the toddlers are following you in, and they're like, "Mommy, mommy, mommy." So, what's to add another dog instead oh, of the yes, toddler? It's not me. Come on, <laughs> if you've got kids and pets, you do not go to the bathroom alone. Alone, no, exactly. No, you don't. You just don't. Real, people, no. that's keep it real. So, anyway, the other answer, the other solution that I would tell you when yeah. you've got puppies. I love pens. I am a pen queen. Yes. I have one that's set up as mm-hmm. a barrier because I have an old dog and I have a young dog. And so it is the same management between the old dog and the young dog as exactly. between a dog and a kid. So for me, having barriers is amazing because puppies are annoying and puppies want to get yes. up in everybody's business. And if mm-hmm. they're tired, they have tantrums. They don't care. Yep. So we have to prevent a puppy from practicing this obnoxious behavior. And the cool thing about pens, though, mm-hmm. sometimes we use pens for the kids and sometimes yes. we use pens for the dogs. So if yes. you've got, let's say you've got a baby that's still in a car seat, right? And you you come in the house, you carry in the car seat. Maybe your baby's asleep. Lucky you. Mm-hmm. You carry the car seat into the house. Why don't you just set the car seat down in the pen? Then you can greet your dog. You can play. Exactly. Whatever. Puppy is not going to go hassle the baby because we've protected the baby, right? Yep. So really, there are times when prevention makes the most sense and you're silly not to try it. And then there are other times when training is more important, right? But I think like if you are a tired, overworked, overwhelmed parent, use management first. Preserve your sanity. Take a breath. And, yeah. you know, if, if you, that'll give you like enough wherewithal to be mm-hmm. able to then take any other action steps that you might want to do, but give yourself a break yeah. and set yourself up for success. Yeah, don't feel bad. I tell folks all the time, don't feel bad for putting your dog in a pen or a crate if you need that, you know, break, you know, it, it, it's okay. Especially when you're dealing with the younger dogs. So let's just kind of wrap this up with some kind of, you know, some advice for the folks when you're dealing with kids and stuff. Of course, we talk big on management is going to be key folks, like just managing a dog. And what we mean by management is just, you know, putting them somewhere temporarily watching them, whether it's a pen area, crate area, it can even be a room, belongs it's not stuff for your dog to get into, um, you know, your dog. Far as the nipping, management too, as well. Mm-hmm. And is there anything else you could recommend, like say, um, 
you know, say they don't want to, because I have had clients who say they don't want to use a crate or the confinement because they feel it's too much. So would you recommend just a tether or just have them with you on leash? I have recommended that too. Yeah. Leashes can be really helpful, but there's one concern that I have when the dog is tied to something. If your kids are mobile, it's crucial that they never approach the dog when it hides something because then the dog doesn't have consent and the dog can't say no thanks and move away. So I'm a big fan of safe spaces and enabling the dog to retreat and take space if they need it. So the only problem with a tether, and I have one right here because I literally show clients constantly what a tether looks like, but if a dog is approached by a kiddo oh, yeah. and then they can't back away. And that's when we could get some bites. But I do love the idea of a tether sure. where you're yep. just saying, Hey, I could have the dog just, I could wrap the leash around my waist. And that way the dog can't chase the kid down the hall if they're running and playing. Right. But on yep. the other hand, you know, that's, that's just something to think about. I would suggest though, making sure your dog is getting enough sleep um, because behavior tends to get worse. Exercise. When the dog is overtired. Yep. Exercise too, if they're kind of off the walls, I tell folks, exercise your dog if they're out of control. But just to go through some quick do's and don'ts. um, So you want to make sure that you monitor the interaction between your kids and your dogs um, so that everyone's um, safe. You don't want to allow your um, children to interact with your dog if you can't be there. Um, You want to teach your dog how to appropriately touch and pet and handle your dog. So they shouldn't be like pulling on their tail and ears and stuff like that. So just teach them how to properly, you know, pet them. Um, Also, if you don't, don't disturb the dog while they're eating or sleeping. Those are two big ones. We don't want to be disturbed while we're eating or sleeping. Neither does your dog. Again, you don't want to pull on their ears or tails and whiskers and things like that. Do not tease or hurt the pet. That's a big one. Um, if you want to play with your dog when the kids, there's certain games you can play that are better um, for kids to play with the dogs than, you know, um, they're better for the kids to play with the dog. And also, you don't want to corner your pet and kind of block them off and stuff like that. So those are just a few general tips um, that you guys can kind of follow when you enter, when your dog's interacting with your kids. Um, Michelle, do you have anything else to add before we wrap this up finally? No, I mean, I, yeah. I would just love to say, like, at the end of the day, there are a lot of different ways that your dog and child can strengthen their relationship, right? And mm-hmm. that has to be based on respect. So if you're child is really young, then we need to be aware of their developmental abilities or mm-hmm. not. So a really young child can't pet gently. And it's unfair for us to expect that, well, if I show you, you should be able to do it because really young kids are grabby and they are slappy. Yeah, And so yeah. we just have to be really aware of the child and the developmental stage they are in and what we can actually expect from from them. Absolutely. And same thing with the dog. A puppy is a baby. They don't know how to make choices. So we need to set them up for success as well. So it's, you're juggling, right? And, and to know that there's somebody like Pam or somebody like me who specializes in this, we really get it. And, um, and I like to sort of compare it to if you need knee surgery, you're going to go to an orthopedic surgeon and not your general doctor. So Pam and I are in the knee surgeons of the dog and kid world. Yeah. And so I just think it's important to know that you can get help for specific things you need and that you know, we have loads of ideas, right? This is just the tip of the iceberg. Absolutely. And so tell folks where they can reach you if they want to contact you. Thank you. Yeah. So my website is poochparenting.net 
And I have all kinds of services and a membership for parents that's affordable where you can get support. Um, and all of those are links on my website. I also have a podcast called the Pooch yep. Parenting Podcast. And I'll, you can find all that on the website. Well, thank you for joining the live and giving your feedback and a good information, good information about dogs and interacting with kids. So thank you for joining us. Thank you guys for joining the live and we will see you guys next week with another great topic. All right. Bye. Bye.